0: This is VC Projects Podcast, and today my guest is Shane Gufog, who is an American artist that looks through the lens of humanity at civilizations both past and present and views time as threads that connect all people. His work is a visual language that is informed by the spiritualism of abstraction and the realism of the old masters. These two ideas are usually seen as separate, but Gufog fuses them seamlessly into works that transcend and become Testaments to thoughts that inform us of who we are in the 21st century Um, Thank you for joining me today Shane in Los Angeles.
1: Good morning. How are you? Good. How are you? We're we are we are in the armpit of Hollywood. Yes. Yes, we are (laughs)
0: and we're at the El Nido space and um, it's great to have you here you've got a lot of um, exhibitions and things going on uh, this week. Yes. And congratulations. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Yes, Saturday we had um, the launching of my TV show called The Art of Art, Small A, Capital A. And that term came out of uh, when I was going to CalArts. Some of the faculty members there, they would say that art with capital A doesn't exist anymore because everything that's been done has everything that could be done has been done there's nothing new under the sun and so therefore art has a small a and i said no i disagree with you because every day we do things that change our landscape and in return that changes us Mm -hmm. and it changes the way we think the way we behave the technology that we're creating changes everything about our lives so to say there's nothing new under the sun i thought was a cop-out right um so the i the idea for the show is the art of art, small in capital A. And basically I go to artist studios and interview them about what makes them tick, what makes them want to create? Where is the inspiration coming from? What kind of music do they listen to? What's their favorite film? Mm-hmm. How did where did they grow up? What was their childhood like? You know, just trying to try to sort of Fit it all together, mm-hmm. you know, so that mm-hmm. suddenly when you look at these paintings, now they're illuminated in a different way. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So we had a we had a launch party Saturday night. We had to keep it minimal due to the uh, COVID variant, but <clears throat> it's okay. And uh, we they showed the first um, portion of the episode on Laura Hippie and I guess also the first portion on a documentary on me. Mm-hmm. I didn't watch the documentary on myself because I, don't, I, I just have a really difficult time watching myself like that, so I left the room. But um, the one on Laura was great, and everybody seemed to really enjoy it and like it. And it, it showed her in a way that I think very few people have seen Mm-hmm. and made her made everyone look at her work much much differently yeah. That,
0: yeah 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 yeah. I, I i was there i saw the episode or the the chapter the first part of it um and it certainly film documentary film and you interviewing her and then panning to her working in the studio and her process and like you said growing up and the environment. We are sort of a product of our environment, for uh-huh. sure. I mean, we can re reinvent our environment. I certainly did, but um, but she she took something that was familiar in in her adult life um, and and sort of made it her own.
1: Yeah, and you know everything going on about um, World War II and how her parents were, you know children of that era and the impact it had on them and and it was the same with my parents too and the news on the Mm -hmm. television you know with the world war ii and the nazis and everything in it and i remember it just for my parents it sent chills down their spine you know and seeing all that footage and everything and so it did for laura as well um, for her parents and so it became the subject matter of her her work as she's not about that the nazis or anything like that but about the state of human existence yeah the human condition the human condition yeah and how it's almost like if i how do i say this it's almost like when you're looking at someone if there's the atmosphere between you and the person you're looking at if you could just somehow remove the atmosphere and in so doing remove the image of the person and mm-hmm. get into the psyche of the person, mm-hmm. right? That's what her paintings are about, and the faces are distorted. Mm-hmm. Um, they're different colors. Yeah,
0: ins- inspirations from August Sander. Yeah, August um, Sander's right, the photographer. Yeah, it's it's quite intriguing. Um, I, yeah. I I always love to learn the backstory of an artist, mm-hmm. um, but some people don't. But I find in the case of Laura, at it, it made it more um, enlightening
1: for sure and um, you know and the arts are about communicating all the arts and it is a way for us to grapple with and understand what it means to be human mm-hmm. and I think the arts are the pathway for that you know, and it, it elevates us. It transcends our daily lives. Mm-hmm. Um, you listen to a great work of music, piece of music, and it, it transcends time. Yeah,
0: it certainly um, does. You're
1: standing in front of a great painting that was done 300 years ago, and it still is as potent today as it was then, mm-hmm. if not even more so. Right. That is real art. Uh uh-huh. With a capital A. Yeah. 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 So that's what I'm interested in—in in finding and mining for, mm-hmm. and bringing back those findings, whether it's through my own work or the work of other people.
0: Mm-hmm. So, so breaking into the film industry, which is something that you're very familiar with, um, stage and acting and film. Um, you know, people might say, "Oh, well, now Shane Kafog has this TV show. Like, what's that <laughs> all about?" and knowing you and working with you it it was a it was an organic um passage Mm -hmm. it it wasn't about ego or fame or anything else it's still very true to your core about um humanity and and people learning more about art but truly what what was it for you why why did you take on a project that's Using well, you as a medium to, to meet and, and experience these people, but to go out and, and share, like, why now?
1: Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in 2004, uh, myself, me and me, myself and I, um, and Adam Gross mm-hmm. and John Von Sumner, we got together and formed what became Pharmaco which was a, first to start off as a group of artists and art dealers. And there was a, and it grew from seven to 14 people. Uh Um, And we would meet every Tuesday night and talk about each other's work Uh and critique, right? Yeah. And so, like when I was at CalArts, there was a lot of critiquing going on. And that was a very rigorous part of their, um, the um, structure there. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people, you know, don't have that in college. It's more about techniques and so on and so forth. Well, at CalArts there was no painting classes, there were no drawing classes. It was all conceptual stuff. But the conceptualism was about also critiquing. And so you become a critical thinker Mm -hmm. through all that process. And I like to think that's what I brought to the group and to those meetings that we would have the studio visits that we would have and because I would often play devil's advocate and really try to pin them down mm-hmm. you know about why they're doing what they're doing mm-hmm. and because I said if you can't answer it then why do you think somebody else is going to answer it okay you know what I mean yeah um so words can be very powerful now that doesn't mean you have to describe everything to the ninth, nth degree. Right. So there's nothing left for the audience, but the words can be a gateway. Yeah. Into the work. Yeah. So this group that we started ended up becoming a gallery, brick and mortar gallery on the corner of 5th and Main in downtown LA. And it went until um, October 2009. The financial collapse of 2008 just brought it all to a halt. mm mm-hmm. so was. And I was giving a platform to a lot of different artists Mm -hmm. across the board, you know, Mm -hmm. and curators. And it was an alternative space. Mm -hmm. Um, We didn't represent any artists. We represented the idea of painting Mm -hmm. in all its forms. Mm -hmm. So I think that the show was an extension of that, is Mm -hmm. where it began. Mm -hmm. Um, Wanting to have some sort of a platform, a format to... Give to the audience so that the artists so that they could find an audience, Mm -hmm. and the art world, like I was telling Laura, I said, you know, if you have a gallery show, especially right now with the COVID thing going on, maybe maybe twenty people will see it in person.
0: Yeah, maybe. Maybe
1: you know, and so you're very so the brick and mortar business model becomes very limiting. Now, of course, it's best to see the work in person because it has its own energy there that can't see via technology but um, but like I told her I said so we do this episode on you we get it out there and you know hopefully we're going to try to do with Heronavision and Felix Werner who's my uh, business partner on this and he's the producer and um, his editing team you know we want to get it sold Mm-hmm. and to different networks around the world
2: mm-hmm.
1: and so that way we find a big audience for it and I mm-hmm. told her I said so instead of 20 people seeing it let's hope it's 200,000 people or 2 million people mm-hmm. that get to know who you are right and get to see why you do what you do
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know now that becomes a very powerful tool
2: right, right. You know?
1: so that was my idea behind it mm-hmm. you know as an mm-hmm. extension of Pharmaca but it, re- it really becomes something quite powerful especially if it's done well mm-hmm. If it's not done well, then it's I think it's important. It's does more than good. Yeah, that's true. Yeah.
0: I know, you know, just like the Circle of Truth and a lot of other projects that Mm -hmm. you've worked on, this didn't happen during COVID. This didn't happen in the last year. This is a project that you've been um gathering Mm -hmm. footage and audio um for the past three
1: years. Three
0: years. Yeah. Yeah. And um and of course, like you said, we're still in this pandemic, and it's an ideal time to release, to start releasing now that you're getting more comfortable with the editing and, yeah. and whatnot. Yeah. with the finished and, product. You know,
1: it took a while because um, we had all this tons of footage on hard drives, and so it took a while for them to just sort through it all yeah. and make notes about everything and get a timeline of what was shot in what order. Right. And then, but does that the story that we want to tell? Or uh-huh. do, we, do we edit it to where the story becomes something else to where, you know, like with Laura, we had to go back just recently and do some pickup shots and some audio so that, um, and there's a western choir in the background, the sirens. And Remy. And Remy. A little <clears throat> but, Boston
0: Terrier. <laughs>
1: yeah. But um, you know, so we had to go back because they realized they realized that there wasn't any real information about her childhood, mm-hmm. and so they went back and got some, got her and pull out some snapshots, and they filmed that or took snapshots of those, and had her talk about her childhood. Mm-hmm. So that becomes the beginning. Mm-hmm. Because that's not how we filmed it, right? Right. But through the uh, the magic of storytelling, yes, with film, mm-hmm. you get to cut and splice and put things in mm-hmm. all kinds of orders mm-hmm. in order to tell the story in the best way, right? And that takes it takes time mm-hmm. to do all that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's you know, but we're it's all coming along. I'm mm-hmm. very very excited about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Before before I ask you about some of the episodes for the viewers to mm-hmm. be excited about. Let's talk a little bit about your process because I know um, at the launch party on Saturday you started out saying I recorded your talk you um, did? I did Uh-oh. and you started out saying do I didn't have any real questions per artist the artist wanted most of them wanted their questions available so they could study and, and right. figure out be what prepared. they were going to yeah, be prepared yeah. but you didn't do that
1: No no, and, and I, I purposely let's talk about your
0: process. I
1: purposely made it a point not to even think about what I was going to ask. Uh huh. Um, which is very similar to how I approach my paintings. Okay. I don't think about what I'm going to paint. I just want to be in the moment, mm-hmm. in the now, right, okay. and allow whatever needs to happen to happen. Mm-hmm. So that was the same approach I took towards these interviews. And like Mike Rosenfeld, you know, he said, "Well, I need a list of questions." I said, "I don't have any." He said, what? You have to have a list of questions. I said, I don't have any. He said, well, can you make some up? And I said, no, that's not how I operate. <laughs> he said, well, th- now I'm nervous. And I said, don't be nervous. You just have to be in the moment. Mm-hmm. That's all. Yeah. And he said, well, what kind of question do you think you're going to ask? I said, I have no idea. <sighs> I really don't know. I don't want to know.
0: Yeah, you're not playing. I mean, it, that sounds kind of funny, but... But, I mean, that, that is how you are, you know. I, I yeah. think it's, a, it's, it's not an easy way to operate through life, but that truly is how you are. It's
1: and not an easy way? I think it's the easiest way.
0: It is the easiest way, but I think, I can't speak for Michael Rosenfeld, but <laughs> I know that, for instance, when you're recorded, you're a little self-conscious, and so you want to be able to make sense... You know, and
1: I'm self-conscious. No, no,
0: no, no. The artists.
1: Oh yeah, they're very self-conscious. Yeah, they're yeah.
0: self-conscious. So, yeah.
1: no, um, they're you know, they're nervous. They're, yeah, they're nervous. They're making, uh, you know, I, I'm, I always read their body language. Yeah. And you know like how many times they are blinking uh-huh. um, if they're shuffling their feet if they're, uh-huh. if they're fidgeting their hands yeah. so you know I'm, I'm paying close attention to that yeah. to see how nervous they are and so that i don't want to i don't want to exasperate exas- exacerbate that i want it. i want to try to calm them down mm-hmm. Um, You know, and just start off with, hi, how are you, you know, that doesn't mean that's going to stay in the the cut, that might get cut. No,
0: no. Well, like in, um, so let's talk about two people you interviewed that have a long history of being in the limelight, Um, maybe not as the actors, but directors and producers and filmmakers. Michael Lindsay Hogg, I know that episode is quite, um, quite electrifying. That and, was fun. and Stanley Dorfman. Stanley Dorfman. So let's and, talk about Michael's episode first. Michael's
1: episode. Well, Michael. Let's
0: let's talk about who Michael is. Okay,
1: Michael Lindsay Hogg is a director. Um, he is. He started working for Ready, Steady, Go, which was a British television show that was similar to American Bandstand, and uh, he he got on as a oh you know just as a. Art director or something like that, and then he heard that the Rolling Stones were going to be on the show, and so he said he he laid down in the hallway um, so that the producer of the show had to walk over him and he just wouldn't move, and and he said <laughs> you know I, I want to direct the Rolling Stones, please let me direct this episode, please please please, so they finally agreed you know and they gave him a little bit of training, mm-hmm. um, and then for instance Painted Black he did that one, um, and he had these clever ideas to for the cameras to kind of go in and out and the lighting to go in and out and and so it created a mood for Mm -hmm. the song right Mm -hmm. and that was the first time anybody really done anything like that and that caught the attention of the beatles so the beatles called him up and and asked them to for a meeting and and he said that uh it was he was terribly nervous to meet Uh, John Paul George and Ringo, Uh and he said they're all like one singular unit Uh when he met them. Yeah, and it was a joint decision. Whatever decisions they made were joint decisions, Um, and you know they so they wanted um, a video because they were tired of touring and and all that stuff, right? So I think they had done Paperback Writer and Rain, Um, and so he filmed them that day. Or he filmed them, both of those videos in one day, in a uh, park, nearby park.
2: Uh-huh.
1: And they liked that a lot. And then they called him back up again, and he did Hey Jude. Uh-huh. And, you know, so he tells all these stories, and why these all these people come in t- onto the set mm-hmm. and surround the Beatles. Mm-hmm. And it was his way of, and it was all his idea to do that, but it was his way, if you're not going to go out to the world, then let's bring the world to you. Right. That was his concept behind that. Um, And then they, um, you know, when they formed Apple Records, they uh, ran into some financial difficulties, I guess, and, you know, business management and so on and so forth. And so they needed um, to produce another album for financial reasons a lot of the case. So they contacted Michael about filming them rehearsing and making an album Mm -hmm. and then to show that on tv before the album was released to help with sales that's great and that's what became the let it be rooftop concert oh okay yeah okay and so he talks about all that uh-huh right and then the rolling stones you know the rock and roll circus and how that uh-huh. came about uh-huh. and he does a great imitation of mick Jagger, spot on and then we talk about you know his quote-unquote biological father mm-hmm. um who yeah, maybe is orson wells um, right and so, it's fascinating life. And then we go in and we talk, we look at his work. And his work, these figurative people...
0: Now, now, I mean, now he's mostly now a painter. painting, yeah. He's and painting. he's still writing plays yeah. and directing and things like that, but yeah. he's a painter. I mean,
1: he's writing his, his his second volume of his memoir right now. Yeah,
0: and, yeah. And, and I know he... I've seen his exhibitions in Paris and uh-huh. here in Los Angeles, so...
1: Yeah, and I love his work. It's so quirky, you know? Mm-hmm. And I met him years ago... Um, a dinner was set up for he and I to meet mm-hmm. at a, a movie director's house, a friend, a, mutual, a friend of mine who had met him, and um, so this dinner was set up so that Michael and I would meet, and uh, we did, and there was a lot of people there at this party, and we just clicked with mm-hmm. one another. We, he and I left the party. And <laughs> Perfect. He, he, he brought two cigars and a bottle of, uh, I, I think it was cognac, I can't remember. And he said, do you want to stick around or do you want to go outside in the backyard and have a cigar with me and and some cognac and talk? I said, let's do that. So we did, you know, and then his wife and my then-wife were not pleased that we left the party. (laughs) (laughs) And we stayed out there until everybody had left.
0: Wow, you had a great conversation. And And
1: the hosts went to bed. Oh, my gosh. And we were still out there talking.
0: Wow, that's funny. Yeah.
1: And then the next day, I went and looked at his paintings. Oh, okay. Um, and I love his work, and I what I like to say about his work is like um, it's like a storyboard of a Fellini film that was uh-huh. never made. Uh huh. These cast characters are so strange, um, and there's this implied narrative. So we, during the filming, we did a game where he had me guess what the implied narrative was for different paintings that he pulled out. And so I was quick to say, it's this, 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 this. And he, he would just look at me. He goes, oh, well done. Okay, double or nothing. I said, what are we betting?" He goes, $5. So he went and got another one. Yeah. And uh, and I said I said what it was. He said, wow, you're really good. Okay, one more, double or nothing. <laughs> yeah. And it, it was a lot of fun.
0: So, so, okay, so the Art of Art episode, Michael Lindsay Hogg, <clears throat> it's not going to be... A documentary like 60 minutes you know it's it's gonna be a bit it's
1: gonna be it's a gonna bit quirky be in, in and six parts
0: six parts but 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 what i mean is it's not gonna be a typical documentary no. layout you know you, you're gonna by watching the art of art is really like you said discovering the aura or the inside of the person yeah. you know yeah. and in a way of your style of interviewing, or or just developing the mood of of within that hour hours of you filming, mm-hmm. right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm just trying to get them comfortable enough to to expose themselves. Yeah, know,
0: expose themselves. Yeah,
1: open up to me. And, yeah, and you know it's like for instance we did uh Susanna Schultz, and you know her painting is very raw and and mm-hmm. it's she has these great titles like God on Prozac and mm-hmm. things like that. And which make me laugh, you know, almost nervously. Yeah. And, but there's something about him that's also very raw and primitive. And, and I, it occurred to me on the spot, I said, what if an asteroid were to hit the planet tomorrow? Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, your studio here was somehow covered in debris, but left intact with all your work, and 2,000 years from now, um, some archaeologists are digging down through, and they find your studio with all your artwork. What do you mm-hmm. think they would think about it? Yeah. You know, that yeah. really threw her for a loop. Yeah. Because, you know, when we look at cave art, Right. we have all kinds of thoughts. Uh-huh. We don't know what they were thinking.
0: Right, So right. we're
1: trying to assess based on our own... Um, our own daily experiences of what life is for us, we have no idea what life was for them. Yeah, exactly. No we have no idea. You know, idea. but yet the work still speaks to us. Uh-huh. And that to me is fascinating. Uh-huh. So that was a question I posed to her which made her giggle and, and scorn and very uncomfortable. Uh-huh. Uh, but the next episode is going to be Stanley Dorfman.
2: Uh-huh.
1: And Stanley is a, a very dear friend of mine. I've met him at a uh, party, another Hollywood movie director's house many years ago and I was uh, introduced to him that he loved art so we started talking about art mm-hmm. and then we were talking about Picasso and, and all these you know different artists and then somebody came up and and I introduced him and they said well what do you do and he said oh I'm a director I said what I thought you were a painter he goes no I used to paint but I'm a director I said what do you direct he goes music videos I was a director for BBC Top of the Pops.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: So, from when to when? I think it was like 64 to 70, 62 to 74, 64 to 72, something.
0: Incredible. Such important years. Yeah.
1: And I said, So the Beatles, the Stones, Led Zeppelin, he goes, Oh, yeah, they're all on my show. I was like, What? (laughs) What? (laughs) That's your whole childhood of listening to music, right? Jimi Hendrix, you know, Jimi Hendrix was on his show, the first televised performance. Elton John first televised performance. Gosh! Um, on and on and on. So it was just like this treasure trove for me, and I was so excited. And and I left, and the director who we were where this party was, they had a few of my paintings in the house, and so he asked if he could see them. as the owner of the house, and so they said yes, and he saw my work. And before I got home, he had called me. Okay. And said, "Hey, maybe I saw your paintings. They're fantastic." We need. I need to come over. Uh-huh. We. I need to see these in person. I need to see your studio. Oh, okay. So he did, and we just became great, great friends. And he's, you know, ninety three now. Yeah. Um. And we talk every week at least. Uh huh. Um, and he's just a delight, you know. And the stories that he has and his life's experience, and he mm-hmm. worked a lot with David Bowie mm-hmm. uh, back mm-hmm. in the day, and. Anyway, it's just fascinating. And jazz. I've worked with some jazz greats and Frank Sinatra mm-hmm. and Ravi Shankar. And oh, my They are all on the show. Yeah. Yeah. And,
0: so so what do you think about, in, you know, within the art of art and just your own conclusions about mm-hmm. people like that who had these vast careers and are still painting and... I mean, you got him back to painting. Mm-hmm. You, he stopped, and he after yes. befriending you, you got. He, I got him painting again. Yeah, yes. he's painting. Um, what do you think about? I mean, to me, the creative mind, the creative flow doesn't end. You can transfer into different mediums, but mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're always I think thinking. It's, I
1: think it's like a basketball, basically. So, that if you look at a basketball and, and you think that, well, this is creativity here, mm-hmm. right? And so. As creativity goes, you happen to be looking at one side, and that side maybe is art. But then you walk around and look at the other side, well, maybe that's dance. Mm-hmm. And then you look at the top, well, maybe that's theater and acting. And you look mm-hmm. at the other side, it's music. And you know what I mean? Yeah. That's how I, I see creativity. Uh-huh. I see it all as one ball. Right, yeah. Um, and it's just about... The angle that you're approaching it from uh-huh. is how you're going to interact with creativity. Yeah. 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 So for somebody like Stanley, who is a director um, and also paints, what I realized through interviewing him, and I had it hadn't occurred to me until I was interviewing him, was that his his paintings are highly, highly influenced by the music mm-hmm. that he listens to, mm-hmm. especially jazz. Uh huh. And you can see it once you once you understand that then the brush strokes make all the makes a whole different world you know comes alive i see yeah and i find that to be fascinating you know hence yeah. the story behind the work uh is i think very important to to be told and shared
0: mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. and the creative impulse
0: mm-hmm. and what just in conclusion what do you hope these viewers around the world? I mean, it, it's so great to understand that digital streaming—that um, people from around the world will be able to see this mm-hmm. this series. Um, what do you What do you hope? I know you've lectured in other countries before. Mm-hmm. Um, what What do you hope these people might take away? That well, just a you know, yeah. the simple pl- simplicity of I woke up this morning and. I'm so really I'm so great happy uh-huh. and grateful that I did this uh-huh. and I hope people dot dot dot.
1: Yeah, I mean I remember one time a few years back, um, uh, this friend of mine asked if if they could bring over this young artist uh, for me to speak with, uh-huh. and that they would bring all the food and we could all have dinner. And I said, yeah, that's fine. And so they came over and this this, this girl and she said, you know, if you could give an artist one piece of advice what would it be mm-hmm. and I said don't wait for permission
0: mm-hmm. okay great
1: just don't wait yeah if don't you wait make, if you want to make write a song then write a song if you want to make painting make painting mm-hmm. don't wait for somebody to say why don't you do this just do it
0: don't wait for inspiration yeah
1: don't wait for inspiration inspiration comes through the process of the act of doing that's yeah. where inspiration comes from it doesn't hit you up from the sky blue sky with a lightning bolt. It is about the process of showing up every day mm-hmm. and and delving into your creative process, right? Mm-hmm. That's where creativity comes from. That's where inspiration comes from. In my opinion, so my hope for the show is that people around the world, it's again, it's like <clears throat> maybe they'll be inspired to express themselves creatively
2: mm-hmm.
1: because that I think is the greatest. Um, human endeavor Mm. that and love loving somebody unconditionally and allowing yourself to create we were created thus we create Mm. right yeah and it it brings everything into a full circle of life where
0: did you where did you where did you come about those two things Me? yeah where did you when Uh, when did you realize this that's that's like that's really simplistic but so profound where did you... When did it, that reach you? Know, meet it's you? Just,
1: uh, I think probably when I was much younger and I was grappling with the idea of being an artist and, you know, growing up where I grew up, there was no artist around. I'd never met an artist before. And the idea of just expressing myself through paint or mm-hmm. music um, instead of working at a job and making money. Yeah. Um, I didn't... I. It was very hard for me to ra- rationalize spending my time doing that. But the need to express myself was greater than anything else. Mm-hmm. And then I realized that we've all been created and thus it is in our DNA to need to also create.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and, and that I was, I had to learn how to honor that within myself. Mm-hmm. You know, and so that I wasn't dancing with I no longer were the demons dancing with me I was dancing with them. I was leading the dance So mm-hmm. then I was in control, you know the demons your fears your anxieties of They're always going to be there. They don't disappear. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can tame them down Yeah, you can keep them at bay You know you can you can, you can say okay. Here's a chair to sit in demon number a Number one, you can sit in this chair and just watch as I paint, but please be quiet. Yeah, I don't want you to interrupt me. Now, if you don't have that ability to do that, the demon number one is constantly like tapping you on your shoulder and saying, "Hey, what are you doing? What are you doing? Why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? How come you don't get a real job? You know, almost like like my parents would were saying to me when I was a kid. Yeah, you can't make a living at this." What are you thinking? Yeah, I get a real job. (laughs) this is my job. No, it's not. Yes, it is. And so you you learn to honor that. Mm -hmm. You learn to stop listening to the negative voices. Mm -hmm. And again, um, give yourself the permission
0: Mm -hmm.
1: of expression. Okay. Yeah. So I hope that's what it does for people.
0: Um, I'm sure it does. That's that's an amazing answer. I'm I'm really enlightened by that.
1: <laughs> okay, good.
0: I, I re- honestly, I think that's just brilliant. Um, let's, in conclusion, um, final. You're going to give us a little tune of creativity by the guitar, and um, thank you for joining me. My
1: pleasure. It's thank you for always indulging me wonderful conversation
0: and um, if you want to check out more of Shane's work visit www.shane s-h-a-n-e guffog g-u-f-f-o-g-g dot com
1: also huronavision.com
0: also huronavision.com that's that's Uh, where you can watch the
1: uh, art of
0: art actually it's it's h-v it's huronavision's website is h-v- dot cool C O O L dot com. Oh.
1: Good. Yeah. H V is in That's where you can go watch the Art of Art and a lot of other things about the arts. Yeah. Episodes, uh, shows about the arts. Um and it's dollar ninety nine a month. It's pretty cheap. It's, 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 cheaper, than it's cheaper than a cup of that's coffee. Cheaper than a cup of coffee. That's what their motto is. Yep. Yeah. So And it's music,
0: check it out. art, film, um, literature and just a, a wonderful creative hub.
1: Yes, it is. And Felix and his team are, are um, it's a real delight to work with them, I gotta say.
0: James, Felix, yes, Tyler, Tyler, and Adam.
1: Yeah. Thank you. Thank you all. Okay. Here we go. Ready?
0: Yeah. <laughs>